This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. Well, we are always what our situations hand us. See the sadness or euphoria. Sadness or euphoria, in the words of Billy Joel, but in the words of South African sporting fans, no doubt. Another weekend of pretty much more sadness than euphoria, unfortunately. See, Billy says it better, though. As you can see, I'm mixing up the opening tracks here on The Bounce Show. Bringing a bit of culture, a bit of joy. Yeah, another crap weekend, really. Proteas, uh, Springboks, well, they won. Let's give them that much. But Fonda Bafunda, they won something. They won the Kasafa Cup. Although it's very difficult to see how they did so because no one's really covering the story. It's that little of a deal that if you go onto any sporting website right now, Bafana Bafana and Kasafa Cup is like, oh, well, it's there somewhere, I guess. But good on them. You can only win and beat what's in front of you. So Bafana Bafana are winners in my book. Uh, Grant Twiggy Baker. He won something. He's a South African surfer. He won a big wave tournament in Mexico. That's also something to be really, really excited about. Uh, athletics, yeah, that was good. South African athletes won there as well. So it's not completely doom and gloom. Ultimately, it's either sadness or euphoria, as Buddy would say. So let's not waste our energies on just the bad stuff. There's always the good stuff hanging around. And that's why you listen to me, Ben Karpinski, right here on The Bounce Show on cliffcentral.com. Now, before my show on Mondays, now there's Voila, a beautiful football show with Vivian and, and Stefano. Now, if you want to get more in-depth on the Euros and what's going on right now, I strongly suggest you listen to the show, you download the podcast. Um, during the World Cup 2014, Stefano did host a football show here as well. And uh, the guy knows a hell of a lot about football, and he brings great insights. So if you want to get more about the Euros right now, I'm only going to give you the sort of superficial stuff. If you want the in-depth, hard-hitting stuff, voila. That is the show you must look out for right here on cliffcentral.com. So let's get into the headlines, shall we? Duncan, or do you want a bit more Billy, Billy Joel? Such a good song, this, man. Huh? It really is. That's kind of it, though. Right, so Duncan is in the uh, producer box. He is with me, and uh, he's going to be bringing in a caller. We've got Juan from the left-backs. I, I feel kind of guilty phoning him because he's been such a great rugby correspondent for us, uh, for, for the show, for uh, the last few months. But it's just the rugby stories and news hasn't been that great. So I'm going to get him in to just try uh, get to the get to the bottom of this whole um uh, rugby thing right now you know the spring box uh gets the bottom of all the other different things what it looks like going into the rugby championships and he just has become a father so he says bear with him if he's feeling a bit slower than usual today but i i doubt it i think when you're a bok fan you're a bok fan you can't escape it and it's in your blood and we'll just get through you and the insights will be as good as ever but let's get into the headlines it's going to be 38 sorry 39 days now until the olympics and IOC member, uh, this, this is quite funny actually, Barry Meister has told golf, I don't know how you tell golf anything because golf isn't like a team. Golf isn't like 
judo where there's one small federation golf is a worldwide organization not even organization it's a worldwide collection of very rich sports stars who do their own thing so barry meister who was an ex-new zealander uh olympic medalist um he did something with hockey i think it was so barry meister said look golf unless you're going to bring your best we can't guarantee you a spot in future at the olympics to which golf collectively went whatever barry no one cares so Brandon Grace pulled out last week. He is the latest high-profile golfer, and of course, high-profile South African golfer. He is the best in the South Africans right now. So he's out, which means Charles Wassel's out, Lewis Tazen's out. Uh, now nah, he's out. So it's anyone's guess who's going to actually represent SA at the Olympics in the golfing front. Gary Player himself might actually dust off the old anvils and uh, get in there. We can't confirm or deny that just yet, although there is allegations that there will be pork in the Olympic Village. So there's no guarantees he'll even be there. Uh, come 39 days time not looking so good but say another olympic story which i find quite interesting right now is that a jamaican sprinter is claiming that he already has the zika virus now zika isn't just a brazilian problem right this virus this disease this horrible scourge on the earth right now has apparently gone to like 60 different countries so okay it's obviously a vast uh heavily populated area on the left hand side of the of the, of the world there uh the Western Hemisphere. So even though it's rife in uh, in Brazil, 60 countries have, have included in this whole Zika watch thing. Now, people have been saying that, you know, there's very low risk of getting the Zika virus during the Olympics because in the cooler season, obviously when it gets a bit hot and sweaty, those mosquitoes are out in full force and they will transmit any disease that they might have. So uh, Jamaican sprinter, Kemar Bailey Cole, now he's a big deal. He was in the uh, Jamaican relay team, which won gold. At, the, at uh, the last Olympics. So it's not like just some bit part kind of player here. This guy is going to be a, he's a contestant. He's a full on contender for the Olympics here. He's 24 and uh, his girlfriend found a bump on the back of his neck to which he now claims through uh, further testing is actually the Zika virus. So he's had like rashes on his body. He hasn't been feeling so great. He's been quite stiff and sore, but he just thought that was because of the training he's been going through. Turns out, well, look, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed by the World Health Organization. And also, you know, I think they've been trying to keep the story on the down low because it means even more bad press for the Olympics. But here we have an athlete with Zika already. So he's still going to go for the trials, right? Because what they're going to do now, Jamaica, like all the other countries, they have uh, trials. I see who's going to be in the 100 meters, in the 200 meters for the country. So he's hoping to go there with the mindset that he's fit and healthy. But here's a guy rashed up with bumps in his body and he's got the Zika. Uh, of course, him and his girlfriend, no doubt, this is a very tough time for them because people are not going, like, just cite the golfers again. They're not going because Zika, you can transmit sexually. So if these two have any interest in having a child, that's going to be put on a hold for a long, long time now until he might get through this. Because the moment you have, um, you try to conceive under this whole Zika thing, you have a very good chance you have a baby with a very tiny pin-like head. So it's very, very scary. And it'll hit home even more if more people come out and say, look, I've actually got Zika or I'm showing the symptoms. And it just, wow, this whole Olympics, hey, you got to feel for the Brazilians. Not only is their country completely screwed with corruption, debt, um, financial insecurities, but now the Zika thing is just kicking them while they're well and truly down. Yeah. So the Euros, uh, just kind of look at through the results there from the weekend. It was the last 16 round, which is really cool because now we're in the knockout stages. So it is the nitty and the gritty all in one go. Switzerland played Poland and it was 1-1. They went to penalties and Poland were the victors there. Wales, they beat Northern Ireland 1-0. Heartbreak for Northern Ireland because that goal was, well, it's an own goal. 
So Wales failed to score and had to rely on that. Croatia versus Portugal. Now, I was quite intrigued by this result. Firstly, it was a very boring match. I think most people fell asleep. But in the 117th minute in extra, extra time, Portugal did get the winner. Croatia looked so good during that group stage. and This is a, a team that beats Spain to the summit of their group. But they're out. They're gone. And Portugal, who looks so jittery through the entire group stage, they are in the quarters. Away they go. Sunday saw France just too good for Republic of Ireland. Republic of Ireland went one lap after a penalty. But France, they were just bombarding the goals uh, of the Irish in the second half. And Griezmann scored twice. So 2-1 there. Germany, again, just too strong for Slovakia. Yet to concede a goal um, in, in the tournament so far. As Germany, very, very strong. Of course, they are the defending world champions. So this kind of our favorites now. You think that Portugal, yeah, I don't know. Um, Wales, also, you're not going to be too confident. France, they've got their frailties. The other side of the draw, that which, which may see um, the whole favorites tag being thrown around, is also Belgium. They're coming good all of a sudden. They lost to Italy early on, but they beat Hungary 4-0, which is a thrashing. Hungary didn't look so bad in that group stage, but 4-0, Belgium got past them. All their, all their stars are uh, coming together nicely now. And then tonight, Monday, the 27th of June, yeah, June's almost in the end. We've got Italy versus Spain, 6 o'clock South African time. If you are listening to this live and you want to look out for the football later, Italy versus Spain. You've got to think it's quite unfortunate that two teams, the size and importance of these two teams, are meet so early in the tournament. Last 16, one of them is going to go home tonight. And then the other side is England versus Iceland. So what does this mean with regards to the quarterfinals? Well, Poland, they've gone through, okay? So they'll, they'll take on Portugal in the quarters. Wales, they'll take on Belgium. So that side of the draw has been decided already then we've got germany are either going to play spain or italy and then france well they're going to play either england or iceland so sure it's very very exciting to think that's going to be a quarters all the big teams coming to the fore here and uh yeah as i said outside of croatia no real major surprises here poland are a plucky side they're going to be very very difficult to beat Uh, i think that could be portugal's final hurdle there and uh wales belgium well both two very exciting teams but belgium are just coming so good germany can't really bet against them and then I think if anything France have the easier way through to the semis they really do so that's your Euros we'll get more of that and I will be giving daily updates on the Gareth Cliff show here on Cliff Central Monday morning 6 until 9 SA time so catch me live there as well with more from the Euros now a very interesting side of the football story is the Copa America now the fact that Chile beat Argentina in penalties 4-2 isn't actually the biggest story about the Copa America. No, the biggest story is Lionel Messi basically saying, in the locker room after the game, I thought the national team is over for me. This is not for me. He's done. He's retired from international football. He said he's given his heart and soul to this team, right? Now, we all know Messi is the best player in the world, prolific with Barcelona. He's won four Champions Leagues, eight or nine uh, La Liga titles. The guy is as decorated as you get. He's even won a gold medal in the 2008 Olympics. So he's done everything. But he said his biggest, biggest goal, biggest ambition is to get some sort of major trophy with the Argentine team. This is an Argentine team that in the Copa America finals last time around. Argentine team in the World Cup finals last time around. And now here, 2016, they just lost in the Copa America. But now it wasn't just Higoin who, who screwed it up for Messi this time. It was actually Messi himself. He missed a penalty. If Argentina's first penalty up high and right. He missed it over the bar. And he just said, well, screw it. That's it. I'm done. I've given everything I've got. I cannot play for this team anymore. I must move on. So... 
straight away, people obviously getting on his back about this and saying, oh, you quitter. Ronaldo's been carrying donkeys for years, and he's still involved. He's still committed. But can you really blame the guy? You think like national, international football, okay, it's, it's club-based. When you play for your country, it's not exactly the biggest thing anymore. Everyone loves going to World Cups and that kind of stuff, but is it really the biggest deal? So when Messi says, I've had enough, it must be so demoralizing. I know it's not the right attitude. But this dude's a human being. We've always got to remember these sports stars. They go through all the highs and lows. As Billy Joel, you know, the sadness and euphoria. Messi has that. Unfortunately, there's just been too much sadness on an international level. So it's interesting to see which side of of the the coin that you do fall on this. I put out a Twitter poll this morning, basically asking international uh, career to be, or Messi quitting international career. Is it bad form or good for him? So far, the votes are 66% bad form, 34% good for him. I still believe every sports person should have, you know, make their own decisions. These guys are adults. They're their own human beings. We criticize them so often for being characterless drones who just play football. But the moment they actually show a bit of personality, it runs on their backs. So go ahead, Messi. I think, you know what, you've done enough. You've been playing football since the age of like seven. He's now 29, so he still does have another World Cup in him. But how do you mentally prepare yourself? How do you mentally keep going back and saying, right, this is the tournament that's going to happen now? The guy is a bit spent in the in the, the white and blue of Argentina. So good for him. You can judge him all you want, but no one knows the length this guy has gone to do the business for his country. And if he says he's he's done enough and he's tried his best, let's respect that. I don't think we should be jumping on this guy's back and calling him a quitter. Hey, but that's me. I'm becoming quite more pragmatic in my old age. So that was football for the weekend. As I said, uh, Bafana Bafana did win the Kasafa Cup. So that was a big weekend of football. And uh, yeah, there's still so much to go with the Euros. Very exciting time of the year sports-wise. We've got so much on the go here. Uh, we've got Wimbledon that's starting today, right? So if you look at the seeds there, it's going to be an absolute ding-dong in the women's draw more than the men's, I think. I'm most excited about the women's draw this time around. I know this might sound strange, and no, I'm not trying to be patronizing, but the women's draw is actually bloody exciting. You think Serena's going to try and match Steffi Graf's 22 titles, right? Now, this has been kind of, it's becoming like a, like a bit of a monkey on her, on her back, so to speak, because she's, um, been so good for so long, but now she seems almost like she's plateauing. She's got to finals. She hasn't won them. She's fallen out. And now, on a, on grass, which, let's be honest, I mean, that's Serena's surface, if there ever was one, because of her power play. She is the top seeds. But then you got someone like Muguruza, right? She just won the French Open. She made the finals of Wimbledon last year round, brimming with confidence and a really, really good player. You can't discredit Wadranska either. She's the third seed. Uh, Kerber did pretty well last year. She's the fourth seed. And then you got Halep, and Halep has also been touted for big things on grass. So you got top five seeds there. And I'm even going to get into the outsiders. Top five seeds in the women's draw means that Wimbledon is going to be an absolutely must-watch affair, both sides of the draw. When you get to the men's, obviously the seeding here is done on uh, past results, ATP world rankings, and general pedigree on grass. So Djokovic, well, you can play on glass if you want. He's going to be top seed. The guy's incredible. And he's looking to just rack up even more Grand Slam titles. He's already won the Australian. He's already won the French. He's your top seeds. And then you've got Andy Murray's your second seed. Roger Federer, back from injury, he's your third seed. And then we've got Stanislav Wawrinka, fourth seed, and then Kei Nishikori, the outside Asian talent. He's top five. He rounds up the top five seeds there. It all starts today. Obviously, the big matches will only happen later on in the week, slash next week, as the seeds start getting closer to each other. But, yeah, that's going to happen all week. This is, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, you're in the dead of winter, but it is go time in the Northern Hemisphere because you've got things like Wimbledon happening. 
And it's always such a cool thing. Even if you don't like tennis, it's quite a spectacle. Everyone dressed in white. You've got the crisp white player outfits and the green of Wimbledon. Peach, strawberries and cream, pims. Oh, it's the whole deal. Very, very exciting, that is. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't mention athletics as well. We're going to have a bit of, as you've noticed, a bit of an extended headline section today because, uh, well, there's just so much to catch up on. And the reason you listen to the show isn't just for the great guests and the insights, but also to kind of be kept abreast of what's going on. Now, SA Athletics, right? Now, if you don't follow Ross Tucker on Twitter, well, you need to start doing that absolutely ASAP. I've mentioned it before on the show many, many times. Science of Sport, at Science of Sport is his Twitter handle. Now, Ross is a, as you know, he's an absolute academic in the field of sport. He knows so many different things. He looks at everything from the scientific kind of angle. There is no short answer with Ross. He gives so much content, reams and reams of it. Now, he's had some interesting views upon Casta Semenya, right? Now, I'm sorry to go down this road, but the moment Casta does well in anything, people obviously bring up the whole question of sex around her. You know, when she came onto the scene as an 18-year-old, she blew the world away in 800 meters. I think it was a 155 she had for that time. She hasn't got close ever since. Now, there's a bit of a question of testosterone, and I'm, I'm not going to try quote Ross here. I'm not going to try paraphrase him even. There's a question of testosterone levels leveling out again. That's why her, her um, return to form has been so you know, comprehensive. Has, it, has her career been dotted by... You know, suppressing who she is, uh, suppressing testosterone levels. Who knows? There's just so many different debates around this. But the moment she does well, they all come back to the fore. So I would suggest getting onto Ross's Twitter profile and just finding some information around this because it's going to become a huge talking point and you need to be in the know about this kind of stuff. But yeah, there is claims that, um, well, moment Caster goes to the Olympics. I would say she is definitely the favorite for the 800 or, or 1,500, if not both. She just won African gold in both, okay? And she won in the four by 400 meters. She ran the anchor leg there and she absolutely came back from nowhere to win it for the girls. So it's going to be a very interesting talking point here. It'd be great to see our athletes winning gold. It doesn't happen often for South Africa in the Olympics. And Cast is very much one of the faces of it, along with Wade for Nikok, who is virtually unstoppable in the 400 and the 200 locally. Uh, 400 obviously internationally as well. So just get onto Ross's Twitter profile there. There's a guy. I'd like to have him on the show at some stage. Um, just got to try coordinate schedule-wise. And obviously, I've got to ask him some pretty good questions because the Oak is just such a sporting brain of note. So that was the athletics from the weekend. Very, very exciting. Anything else to look forward to? Of course there was. There was rugby. Now, what happened in the rugby? Ugh. I won't get too much into it now. That's what Joan's going to do. I'll just get into the results at the moment. Joan from the left back is going to join us in just over 10 minutes' time to get really into the whole series. But New Zealand, well, going from strength to strength, and this is a team which, well, we all know they are favorites for anything they get involved in. If you could take them on in a pie-eating contest or, I don't know, a house penalty competition, these guys will probably win everything. They thrashed the Welsh 46-6. The Welsh were so valiant and so game in the first two tests, but they got hammered in the third. Speaking of third test and Australia, well, the whitewash was complete by Eddie Jones's men. 44-40 to England winning that one. It's incredible turnaround of English rugby, this, to think that, you know, under Stuart Lancaster, they were kind of nowhere. They were always wooden spooners in the Six Nations. They got to the World Cup, and it was just hugely disappointing. They lost to Wales. They, yeah, just couldn't even make the quarterfinals. It was just terrible. Eddie Jones came in, and he just turned that team around completely. And what an absolute delight for world rugby. I think we all got to put our sides, our, put aside our differences here. If England are strong, and they can take on New Zealand, It'll raise the bar for everyone else because rugby is about a chasing pack, right? And if you look at that world rankings, you're either 
New Zealand or you, you're fighting for third, fourth and that kind of stuff. You can't even say you're run up to New Zealand. No one is. The rest of the world is run up to New Zealand. So Australia, you know, feeling the wrath of England. England now nine out of nine under, under Eddie Jones. What an incredible turnaround that is. And I think this guy, I mean, he can start asking for more money. He can ask for blank checks. What he's doing with English rugby right now is absolutely incredible. And you know, it's being translated to the younger ranks as well. England winning the under 20 World Cup. Well, comprehensively, 45-21 over Ireland in the weekend. Other result from the World, uh, sorry, under under 20 World Cup, Argentina hammering a pretty lackluster SA team, 49-19 for the third and fourth playoff there. So not looking good for SA rugby right now. Yes, they did beat SA, sorry, Ireland, 19-13. But uh, before we get into the more in-depth stuff with Joan, I do want to just bring you some basic stats from the, the game in PE. Yes, it was a six-point win, but how Ireland did not win this, well, who really knows? Firstly, there was a contentious issue around Vili LaRue. Should that have been a red card? Should have been a yellow card? Many are saying he got it very lightly, has been suspended for a game. And I always think, if you're going to be suspended after a sighting, then you should have had an on-field red. And uh, that would have made a bit of a shake-up, though. Although some people said the box were better without Vili. Ireland did score a try, though, against that numerical advantage, so that horseplay can be thrown away straight away. Possession for the weekend for the Springboks, 32% of ball in hand. Ireland, 68%. Territory, even worse for the box, 27% to 73 There's many ways to look at this. There's many things you can question about this, but if your territory is that bad, your position is that bad, you've got to look what's happening with the breakdowns, and you've got to look what's happening with the fly-half. Elton Jones' kicking game might not be up for international rugby. It's as simple as that, really. I can't put it any other way. Uh, the game plan for the box, what is that backline actually doing? What is uh, Stick really teaching these guys during the week? Because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of game plan, a lot of coaching, a lot of executional things coming through here. It is it is sad. It is sad indeed. So uh, let's not dwell on that. Let's move on to golf from the weekend. And I'm really excited about t- telling you a golf story. You know, it's very, very interesting to see um, who the winner of the Quicken Learns National was over the weekend, right? It was Bill Hurley. Now, you wouldn't have heard about Bill Hurley if you're an average sort of sports fan prior to this weekend. But uh, 607th place in the world right now, right? He's had 11 starts this season, six missed cuts. His best before this was 41st. He's a, he's a lieutenant in the Navy for America, right? He always had a dream of playing golf. His dad taught him how to play golf. He was his mentor growing up. Uh, through the ranks and eventually you know his active service was done and he's now committing completely to his golf battling to keep his european uh, sorry his uspj tour card he managed to get a few starts this year he uh was in the final group with only else there's a story in itself there. the fact that only still competing on the uspj tour is incredible good luck to only for the rest of the season he got a fifth here after round of 72 unfortunately but the big story here bill hurley this time last year right he played uh in the quick and loans national but his dad went missing. His dad, as I said, was a massive part of him growing up. It's one of those, those stories where his dad gave him everything, basically, to become a golfer. His dad went missing a year ago, and uh, nobody could find him. And it was very strange. While Bill Hurley was trying to make the cut in this event, he then got news that his ba- dad was found. But his dad was found dead. He took his own life in a car um, near a near a lake. So Bill Hurley, a year ago, the anniversary of his dad's death, unfortunately, he managed to win the tournament that uh, the, where, where this happened a year ago. 
it's such a sad story. It really is. But the character of this dude, it's just incredible. What must be going through his, his head? I mean, still so many questions. You know, if someone was to take their life and they're out of your life, you have, you're left with nothing other than questions. Uh, this has happened with me, unfortunately, as well. You know, when a loved one goes, uh, or a close friend in, in, in my case, you just, there's so many questions. You know, why did they do it? What was missing in their life? This guy had all this running through his head, but he managed to put it all aside and, uh, well, essentially do it for his dad. He won this tournament. Incredible story. Read up more about this dude and you can only hope he goes to more success. On the European tour side of things, BMW International Open, Henrik Stenson coming into form here. This guy is going to be a good bet for the, the Open. As obviously, uh, he's not exactly an outsider. He's a guy who's done so well for so long. Uh, he hasn't won a major yet, but he'll be an outside bet, uh, for, I wouldn't say outside bet. He's definitely in your top five bets for the, the Open Championship. Sorry. Muddle my words there a little bit, but he's a, he's a great ball striker and, uh, keeps it in play. He's nice and long. Good, good power. Putting my card for inspection under the pressure. But he's a good bet all the same. MotoGP from the Netherlands over the weekend. Wow. I said it a few weeks back, you know, MotoGP doesn't get the credit it really deserves. Anyway, it was pissing down in the Netherlands Grand Prix over the weekend, uh, GP. And, uh, play, uh, it's like the riders were going on and off the track. Eventually it was suspended because the rain was so heavy. It came back and it was more slip and slide. And, uh, it was a battle of attrition eventually. And whoever could hold on to the longest, Jack Miller did so. He won that one. Mark Marquez, he out of the big ones, he held firm. So his ex- his extension on the on the lead uh, carries carries on here. I think he's about twenty points clear at the top of the title race now. Very very interesting race that. And uh, just yeah, you know, looking for sporting highlights. Catch that MotoGP this morning. Very very good. That kind of wraps up for the most of the headlines. Let's just touch on the cricket very very briefly. And uh, while I gather gather my breath after a long lengthy intro of half an hour. Good stuff, here, Duncan. Are you impressed with us? Absolutely, Ben. Just don't forget to play the ads there, son. Where? Where? Uh, well, let's just pay yeah. the bills, Ben. Well, look, Duncan, see, this is where we're missing out here. You're meant to tell me these things. I'll come help you out. We're, we're meant to be a finely tuned machine here. But we are, Ben. Don't be too hard on yourself. Oh, Duncan. Is he giving you all the blame? Yeah, Kevin, it's all going bad now. Yeah, Duncan and I are meant to be this. South, man. Oh. Never. No, Duncan, seriously, get in here. <laughs> I'll take off the headphones first. Duncan, come on. It's half past now. I've got a guest coming in 10 minutes. Anyway, so like I was saying with the crickets, and we'll get out after the, the, the ad break here, uh, another bit disappointing uh, outing for the Proteus. I don't know if you if you watched it all on, on Friday, but uh, I watched the first sort of uh, couple of hours, 20, 21 for four, and then uh, they just let the windies off the hook. But let's get back into that after this ad break here. Thanks, Duncan. With some with some wise words from Avi de Villiers after this. Business leaders around the globe are committing to building a better world for everyone. Cliffcentral.com is joining forces with the Sympathy Sleepout, taking a stand for the plight of the homeless. We invite you to participate with us in the Sympathy Sleepout on the 28th of July, 2016. Join the ranks of leaders of change by using your influence for what truly matters. Sign up now for the Sympathy Sleepout on www. Dot the CEO sleepout ZA dot CO dot ZA. That's the CEO sleepout ZA dot CO dot ZA. Ah, thank you very much, Mr. Gareth Cliff. Uh, Duncan, just with uh, Joan, just pushing back a couple of minutes. So 10.40, we'll give him a call. Okay, cool, okay, man. Because now we've got to talk about crickets and, you know, a couple more minutes in the show now. Let's make it happen, son. You betcha. And stop calling me son. I'm older than you. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> 
Right, so cricket over the weekend, right? Uh, were you surprised? Well, I've got to say, like, I know I, I, I love the Proteas. I love crickets, and it, it breaks my balls to know that these guys are so disappointing time and time again. But uh, while I, I don't want to get into a tirade here, it's not what any of us need. Let's just listen to what some of the things that uh, Abe de Villas had to say after this yet another crushing defeat when it, must, it was a must-win match. Obviously, a lot of disappointment. I yeah, mean, you bet, Abby. It's difficult to, to put a smile on your face after a horrible performance like that. And such a great start. Um, lots of um, energy in the first 10 or so overs. We felt like we were really on top of them. Um, and unfortunately, couldn't make another breakthrough after that. When we had them four down, it was literally the game was on the line. We needed a, a, a wicket or two to, to really finish them off, and we just couldn't do that for 20 odd overs. They got a 150 partnership. That said, though, AB, I mean, that, that catch from Wayne Parnell on the boundary was that was an absolute howler. He jumped for no reason. Morkel finally got a batsman to play a false stroke, and that was Bravo in his 20s. I mean, that was a pivotal moment of the game there. Anyway, sorry, as you were saying. I tried pretty much everything I had in, in me with the bowlers and the, and, and the guys in the field. Unfortunately, couldn't, couldn't get that going. But what's going through my mind is a lot of disappointment. Look, it's <laughs> difficult to find the answer to that. Um, obviously, lots of world-class players, but um, not enough of us put our hands up in this series. That's what it comes down to. Maybe a couple of us are, of us are out of form, um, including myself. I had a, had a poor series and would have loved to have... Played a bigger, a bigger role in in the series and a, a few more runs, but unfortunately it didn't happen. And um, uh, preparation was really good. I, I, it's definitely not prep. Um, our, our coaches have been unbelievable. Russell Domingo put us through our paces like never before, I think. Um, so we definitely put the hours in. We had really intense fielding sessions, batting sessions, bowling sessions, everything you can mention. Um, but unfortunately, the batters kept collapsing and not enough partnerships. It's the old cliche that you can say, but that comes down to individuals not stepping up. Um, there are too many individuals in the series that didn't step up, and that's what it's... Okay, Abby, good point. Too many individuals in the series not stepping up. He was definitely one of them, but we can't drop this guy because we know he's very, very good. But who are the other guys? I mean, how much longer can JP Dumini really be in this team? And I know this isn't like a new thing. Uh, people are asking this for so, so long now. You know, it's just like... Why isn't he? Why isn't he coming good? Why isn't he going to be the bedrock of this team with all his experience? Why is why is this not happening? And again, it's like if it's not happening, let's move on. Who's going to be his um, replacement? You know, it's just so frustrating to know that it's the same excuses over and over and over and over. Sorry, Abby, getting back to you. What that's what happened. I was very keen to score some runs. I got in four out of five times and didn't convert. Um, um, so that's that's probably the first thing I, I will teach any youngster coming through is converge your scores, make them big ones, especially when you get to 20 or 30. Um, there's no reason for me to get out after that because I'm in, I'm seeing the ball well. And four out of five times I didn't. Um, tonight I, I was dismissed. Bob Oler was really bowling well and running in, um, got it to swing a little bit. Um, that happens. But the other four times, no excuse really. Um, just gave my wicket away, unfortunately, and at, at the wrong time. And just not good enough. He did the basics really well and um, on this wicket I felt with a new ball that's all he needed to do. There was enough variation, natural variation in the deck for you. He did the basics really well, he hit the deck hard, um, hard lengths uh, which gave him variation. A couple stayed low, a couple um, moved away from the bat and even in. So th there, was, there was definitely something there for him and he worked with it. He worked with it really well and he did the basics well so it was tough to face him. You can argue that uh, yeah, KG is a fit man, so maybe another one more over. 
Um, I, I felt that we had four world-class seam bowlers um, in, in the attack and enough guys who can ask questions. Um, obviously- yeah, I was going to stop it there and, and back Abby up with this. You know, people are saying, like, you know, why wasn't Rabada bowled for longer? Why couldn't he have just been kept in to really kind of snuff them out? But you got to think that Rabada is still the, the the rookie in this team, right? They can't always throw everything onto I mean, I saw people saying that, you know, make Rabada captain. Like, give the guy a break. He's a strike bowler finding his way to international cricket. The fact that he's doing bloody brilliantly mustn't then become a handicap for him. You know, like, if these selectors are saying, right, we're picking these bowlers, they've got to do a job. They've got to do a job. It's not because Rabada stopped bowling. It's because the other guys were crap. They were just, just crap. Actually, you got to give some credit to the two batters that played pretty well. Um, a chance was created. It wasn't taken. Unfortunately, that happens sometimes. Um, but all- Sorry, Abby, just interrupt you again. But, you know, like, Roberto was so good at the beginning. Suddenly, all the bowlers were like, okay, well, I'm going to run in, steam in, bounce these guys out on a bowl of pace. They weren't bowling to their own game plans. No one is Akakisa Roberto. Just one guy is, and he's brilliant. Now, Wayne Parnell is a different kind of bowler. Chris Morris, different kind of bowler. Mornay Morkel, a very different kind of bowler. These guys couldn't stick to their own guns. And this is something that's really worrying. Like, what are these guys being coached? What is the game plan here? Because if they, can, if they can't stick to a, a plan, 16 bloody wides of the weekend, may I add. Oh, it's got a point towards, I mean, AB's obviously going to put all his support behind Domingo. He's saying he put him through the paces, blah, 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 blah. But why are these guys going to this match situation so naive? They can't read the situation and they can't adapt accordingly. After KG spell, I, I did try pretty much everything we had with Imi, a few others. And um, unfortunately, we couldn't get that breakthrough. But now that you mention it, maybe I could have bowled him a few more overs. But um, you also got to think of the rest of the game and not not bowl your best bowler out in the first in the uh, first. I, I agree. It'll I agree. Be, yeah, pretty bad. Um, look, he's, he's played a big role in in all of our careers in the last four four years, however long he's been here. Um, four, I, I felt he's done a fantastic job, and it'd be it's sad to see him under pressure. It's it's definitely not the coaching staff. The coaching staff is um, there's no doubt in my mind that they're the best in the world with what they. Oh, come on, are you? Seriously, Abby, seriously telling me these are the best coaches in the whole world? With a revolving door of consultants, are you seriously telling me these guys are the best in the world? That what, what they do and what they bring to the table. Um, unfortunately, as players, we, we let them down in the series. Um, we had ample opportunity in, in a few games to, to really knuckle it down. I can think of the very first game we played in the series, we should have walked. Um, so it comes down to the players. The preparation was perfect. Um, all the coaching staff did their jobs. Yeah, but again, going back to the Eddie Jones thing, which is becoming a great example for me. It's not about every player has ability, right? You get to this level because you got a, you got good abilities. What is the coaching staff not doing? Is it the motivation factor? Uh, is it equipping them with the right skills, the right mindset? There's something not right in the coaching staff here because the players can't consistently be like this when we all know the talent is there. Um, so it'd be pretty sad. To, it is sad to see Russell under pressure. Um, it's it inevitable. Be that way. A few players that should be under under pressure. Yeah, we, we started something special in the last uh, last year after the World Cup. Um, anyway, I'm I'm getting I'm getting frustrated again. Uh, yes, Ab, there is something special, but there's also something hugely hugely missing, and this is what needs to be done. And the coach needs to take responsibility for this. We can't just sit here and make the same excuses like, oh, you know, the coaching staff are great. Uh, you know, we all get along really really well. Are they picking the right players? Are they picking the right mix of players? When you keep losing like this, these questions must be asked. I don't think these questions are being asked. This is what really, really kind of worries me at the moment is that people keep saying, oh, you know, but we, our coaches are great and they show great faith in the players. There is a fundamental problem here somewhere. 
They can't keep losing. I mean, I think prior to this match, they'd lost twice out of 20 against the West Indies in ODI matches. There's nothing special there. The fact that they rely on a guy like Curran Pollard, I mean, he's a bit of a hit-and-miss T20 player. This is a guy who wasn't deemed good enough to go to the, the, the World Cup recently. He's not incredible. That's, he's not, really isn't. You know, that, that top order is brittle. Um, the bowlers are inexperienced. All credit to West Indies. You know, you don't ever knock a team for winning, but... Oh, grinds my nuts. It really does. Anyway, I'm going to put a blog post out on the Bounce of Serial today. More about this. More about Domingo. More about this whole supposed team culture thing. Uh, I just think we need to have these conversations. And this cricket, as they say, maybe needs to look outwardly. Because everyone was in, in the system, and they're all good mates, and they're all having a good time. But the results from anyone looking at it aren't good. Anyway, we're going to cross over to Juan in a second. But let's intro him like we always do by using something from Supersport around a match that we just happened. Uh, of course, the Irish, well, they lost to Faf de Klerk. And Ireland need a converted try. Earls, caught by Faf de Klerk. And South Africa have it. Got to say, I will commend Supersport TV on Twitter. They always have such great uh, content, and uh, I like to rely on it on a Monday. Got to say, there we go. I've said it. Sean, you with us? Hi, yeah. Hey, Ben. Hey, man. How's it going? Firstly, congratulations on becoming a new dad. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. It's been quite a overwhelming four or five days, I must say. Yeah, you must feel like uh, the Irish feel right now, just completely ha- hammered and bedraggled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Very similar, yeah. Okay, so obviously you watched the game on the weekend. It was, again, very uninspiring. Uh, if you look at the stats, which many people like to do nowadays, um, yeah. that all-out rugby app with, uh, with Vodacom is particularly good for that. It's just, you know, stats in your fingers. I always use them and reference them. It just didn't look like the box could ever control any of these matches. Uh, people will keep going back to that whole 20 minutes uh, at Ellis Park. But it, was, it, it doesn't give us any hope for this, tri- of this rugby championship coming forward, now, does it? Yeah, I'm afraid it doesn't, Ben. Um, just a comment on the 20 minutes at Ellis Park. You know, I think a lot of people threw their toys in the air and got very excited about that. But to be quite frank, that result was lipstick on a pig. We, we won that game. <laughs> we won that game because we really needed to. You know, we needed to save the series. I think we brought players on who were on form. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they sealed the deal for us. And, and to be quite honest, this Irish side that they brought you on for a good start with. So. You know, they sealed the deal for us, and I don't think that that's anything to be excited about. You know, the third test, we went, like I've spoken to you before about, Alistair Katia went back to traditional Springbok rugby in massive air quotes. And what that means is good set pieces, good line-out, good scrum, good at the right, good tackle completion ratio, and try and grind them out of the game. Good uh, goal kicking. And, um, yeah, that's what, uh, sort of, that's what brought us home, really. So, yeah, yeah so- I mean, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm not particularly confident for the rugby championship, no. Yeah, well, you know, it's the old traditional stuff, which was outdated four years ago. And the fact that a, yeah. coach, a coach is grabbing at that now, it just means that these guys are lost. You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing dynamic going to come out of this team. They're basically going to tread water until such time as one of their opponents slips up or they have a couple of moments exactly. of brilliance with a couple of players really shining through. So there's nothing to look forward to here. And, you know, we try sugarcoat things and we try to look for the positives. But as you say, I mean, lipstick on a pig. But I mean, I th- I mean they'll, they'll run out of lipstick quite quickly as well. Totally. But just, a, you know, a, a comment on, on the game on Saturday as well. I thought John Cheese was cross-kicked to JP 
Peterson was something that we haven't seen a Springbok Slav do in like five or six years. It was really, you know, that bit of flair, something you can't really coach. And, you know, you and I have spoken about how I'm not the biggest Shanshi fan, but that was really brilliant. JP Peterson got man of the match for that catch, but Alton should have got it for that <laughs> kick. It was, it was, it was fantastic. It was really, really fantastic. And I think that that's the kind of flair that we really need more of. You know, I read an article this morning, The Good, The Bad, and The Idea on Vodacom Rugby about the Irish series. And they were saying that the reason we played so badly in the first, in the first game is because Alessandro apparently told the guys to, you know, throw the ball around and to play what's in front of them. But I mean, like I've told you before, you know, you, you can't go into an international rugby match with that kind of mindset. The Lions do it to a certain extent, but you, like Super Rugby is different to international rugby. Very. Yeah, very, because I mean, a lot of international teams base everything on a defense, that old cliche that uh, defense exactly. is all that kind of stuff. But just to look at uh, what you what you say, which I think is a really good point, is that they went back to basics and like getting foundations to then play upon. But even then, the foundations weren't great. Okay, set pieces was good. I think our scrum was fantastic, and it's so it's yeah. so cool that we got four props in a match day twenty three that can blix on the hell out yeah. of anyone. I think I'm very confident <laughs> about that. When Francois Herbert does have a better game, the guys are good tight head. Riddling Hayes off yeah. the bench probably even better, especially for that last half hour. I reckon he's up there with an impact like an Owen Franks could make for the All Blacks. Uh, for sure. lo- loose head side, you know, the beasts. I think will always be SA's first choice because of what he adds in the loose. But then, yeah. then Kitsov, Orange is the New Black, as they were saying. Sheep, <laughs> he, he came on in that first scrum. Yo, that was exciting. Okay. Yep. But like tackles. Okay. So percentage rugby means good tactical kicking match. Okay. Our territory for the weekend was 27%. 27. Oh. That's, that's horrible. Tackles, uh, tackles missed 25 to 5 against Ireland, right? Yeah. I mean, but, um- just to comment quickly on the tackles best, you know, um, I think we made 150 tackles, if I'm not mistaken. 182. Yeah, so I mean, 25, I mean, what's that? It's, it's about, okay, uh, it, it is relatively high, but I mean, you know, in the first match, we probably made 100 tackles in Miss City. So I think our tackle completion ratio was definitely better. The Oaks are driving their back in the tackle, which is something the Stormers have always done well. Yeah. And I think that that is, yeah, I mean, we still weren't great. I mean, we let yeah. soft moments happen but I think we were much better defensively yeah I guess but and then you know just looking at that tackles made you know you shouldn't be making so many tackles against a team who should be dominating and then it ties, yeah. it ties back to the possession we had all of 32% possession and this is yeah. an, this is a deciding match where you're going back to basics where ball retention is key territory is key and we're so woeful in those areas so the, the inevitable question I have for you this morning is what can Alistair Kutsia now gain from the rest of the Super Rugby? Is he going to shake that squad up a little bit? Is he going to take this and say, right, this is our game plan and we just need to execute better? Like, I think we all know the yeah. answers. They're not going to be too dynamic. But if, if you can, okay, let me rephrase it. If you were Alistair Kutsia, what would be the best situation going forward now for these last few weeks before Rugby Championship? I would work, if I was Alistair Kutsia, I would work day and night on figuring out how to beat Australia, how to beat South Africa, with, I mean, how to beat New Zealand with, with the kind of players that we have available to us. I don't believe that the starting 15 we had on on Saturday were was very far from the best available we have in the country, you know. There were people like Vili LaRue, who I thought has been shocking for the last tournament. A couple of other Oaks who I should think should be dropped here and there, but I think the nexus of the team is is relatively good. But what we really need to see from Alistair Coutinho is a plan. We really need to see a strategy for, you know, talking to your point about the tactical 
the, the territorial loss on Saturday is, is like, that's tactics. You know, you got to kick it down field. You got to be like, okay, half time, boys, let's look at where we are. We only got 25% territory, so let's play down in their corner. Let's not, instead of kicking it up and under, let's kick it for the corner. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of whip cracking that Alistair could see has never been good at at half time. That's why my dad also always says, when problems fall behind at half time, they go down because yeah. it's like we've always had coaches who are never able to like rip a team right. And Alistair Shea, unfortunately, is one of those as well. Yeah, so, yeah it's just all we're all friends team. kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, exactly. talking, talking tactics, what actually almost made me want to stop watching is that early in the match, we had a scrum in the middle of the field, right? Now, I'm, I'm no coach, but I'm pretty sure when guys plan set moves, this is like a great basis from because you can create an Absolutely. overlap either side. And what happens? Yeah. The ball went straight to Junchies and it was a speculative high ball. Yeah, that I mean, is exactly. Like, like, exactly. Like, like, like when that happened, did Stick go, yes, this is it. This, this is the plan coming together. Oh. Uh, you, you know, like with, with, with Dwayne Stick, it, it's quite weird for me. He never even seems to be on camera when you watch the game. Have you noticed that? It's like there's, there's, there's Alistair, then there's, um, uh, oh, I can't remember what the coach's name is now, but the Oaks are sitting there. And Stick is, yeah, exactly, Matt Prophet. And, you know, Stick isn't even in the frame. So it's quite weird. Like, how much of a role does he actually play in, 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 the, in the dynamic? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. I think he might be a little uh, young to be able to be a professional coach, in my opinion. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, you, you can't question this if you're a white South African because you'll be called a racist instantly on Twitter. But have you, have you seen him in interviews as well? When, um, when Stick gets asked questions, he just gives whatever answer he wants. He doesn't actually address exactly. questions. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan. You know, like I've said all along with Alistair Katia, you need to bring a very astute, like rugby brain. He needs to be, they need to like move around together. Alistair Katia will be the relationship guy, the values guy. And the guy next to him will be the guy that wins rugby matches. And that's really the parcel you need. And in, um, in the current assistant coaches, we don't really have that tactical, you know, like brain. And that's probably something we're going to have to bring in from overseas. And that's something we're obviously not going to do because an overseas coach would never put up with the politics of South Africa. Right? Uh, never. So we've got nothing to look forward to dynamically. We've got players, but whether it be the best starting 15. Um, one good thing was the bench, of course. But now in saying that, maybe it's because our starting lineup wasn't the right one. If we've got better players coming off the bench, maybe that needs to be looked at as well. Uh, other positives to look into from the series? Anything else did step out at all for you? Um, I think, um, I, I think that, um, well, one thing is actually, it's not really related. Well, it is related is that Johan Horsen was man of the match in the top 14 final over the weekend. I mean, that's really a guy who needs to immediately get a ticket down to South Africa to be a part of the rugby championship squad. Now that was, so that, be, that was because his team won despite being four, a man down what, for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, 60 minutes. I think they were a man oh, okay. down for 60 minutes okay, and they still off, won. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a guy that really needs to fast track into the team. I think, you know, guys like Ruan Kornbrink is very, very exciting. Fuff the Clack is really cementing that position. I mean, we don't really have a surplus of number nine options in the country at the moment. So I think he's really doing great work. So, you know, I don't want to be like a doomsday manga and say that it's all doom and gloom. I mean, individually, there's a lot of potential and a lot of, uh, like, talent has been brought to the forefront in this, in this um, competition. But I think big picture... Is, is where I kind of look at it, and that's where I feel a little bit gloomy. Yeah. Just on that, Kirsten, before we wrap it up, where would you ideally want to play, Kirsten, if you was to come into the squad right now? 
uh, I would immediately shepherd hook Billy LaRue out and put Horson <laughs> in. Because, I mean, Horson plays 15, although on Twitter he goes by your know, 10 Horson or whatever, so I think he fans himself as a fly off. But I think in the, I mean, Dan Carter plays fly off for race in 92, so Horson probably plays fullback, and that's exactly what I'd do. I'd swap them immediately. Yeah, I just think uh, Vili is now looking like a one trick pony, and everyone knows the trick. I would sooner, Absolutely. yeah. I mean, I've said it before with you many times. I'll sooner have Jesse Creel getting a getting a chance there, giving some exactly. faith, and Combrick, young talent. Combrick can well. play fullback as well. Exactly on Twitter, he's ruined Combrick fifteen. You got to take a lot into this oh, whole Twitter profile right. thing. <laughs> exactly, it says a lot about who they are. Awesome, John. Well, um, I'll let you get back to work or bed, which everyone involves uh, fatherhood right now. But anything else we need to look out for this week from the website? Um. You know, having a baby, I've had a lot of philosophical thoughts about, you know, what birth means and, and like the start of something new. And, and, and I'm thinking about writing a Springbok post, which ties in quite nicely to what we're speaking about now, about how this is a new crop of players. This is a new coach. You know, we, we do have to give them time. But I think it's, it's important that we don't lose sight of the big picture. And I think that, you know, like of, of what the Springboks really need to be, because for the Springboks to be down 21-3 at half time in Test 2 after losing to 40 men in Test 1 is really, really, it's, it's a knock to the once mighty Springbok aura. And that's something that I really, really struggle to deal with because we really shouldn't be in that position at all. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, speaking of the whole rebirth, uh, you know, the idea of Adrian Strauss now being confirmed as a more of a long-term captain option doesn't exactly fill me with confidence either. So it's no, exactly. dark, dark and gloomy times, but we're back to Super Rugby. So I suppose we just got to try and look at that and forget about the box for a little bit and hope for miracles. Sounds good. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, chat soon. You know, I don't want to keep chatting about rugby because I think good to talk about it at the moment, but uh, hopefully we've got a, a fun story to talk about sometime in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping that happens too. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks cool. for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Cool. That cool. pretty much wraps up the rugby. Uh, quite a disjointed show today because I just had so much to share with you. Uh, just the one guest, and John's always good value. Um, he really is. And it's difficult to kind of get get the good stories coming out here. But like the stats don't lie, and you know we're not gonna we're not gonna fool ourselves. This this Bok team right now, as Garcia is just clutching at straws, but it's the old straws. He's not even clutching at new ones. He's clutching at the old moth-eaten, grizzly grey straws that you find on the beach after a long summer's day. Ah, oh, on that philosophical note, I think I'll end it right there. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Bounce Show every Monday live on Cliff Central 8, sorry, 10 to 11 a.m. every Monday, South African time. For more of The Bounce Show, of course, indeed, The Bounce, the website, .co.za, just go on to thebounce.co.za. You'll catch the show every week. There's a little section there. You catch all the Bounce shows there. And there's all kinds of other stories that I've been throwing together on a weekly basis. Or just follow me on Twitter at Follow The Bounce or go onto Facebook and it's uh, The Bounce there as well. Never miss a moment as I try to bring you an informed kind of entertaining view of sports. You know, we all need a good laugh from time to time. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of memes with Messi's retirement. There might be a whole bunch of other Argentinian soccer players, football players who are going to retire before this day is out. Always so much, but there's a very interesting time of, of sport this year because it's the European summer. So uh, Tour of France starts this weekend. There's going to be all kinds of monitoring around people using illegal little motors. Uh, there's always Olympic stories to look out for. Wimbledon starts, as I mentioned earlier in the piece. And uh, we're back to Super Rugby. So catch me daily on the Gareth Cliff Show right here on cliffcentral.com around 6.30 SA time. I bring you the daily sports. Otherwise, just look out for the podcast as I tweet them on Twitter. That is it for the week. Uh, thanks for joining me. Catch you next time. This is cliffcentral.com.